This is your morning wake-up call on Sports Country. Grab a cup of coffee and hang with us every weekday morning for the latest news, sports, and other things going on around the world and in your backyard. Now, here's your host, Gene Gums. Well, good morning, everybody. It is six minutes past nine o'clock here in Middletown, Connecticut. Welcome to a Wednesday morning wake-up call on Sports Country Radio. Appreciate you spending some time with us this morning. Um, Lots to get to. Uh, Obviously, with the NCAA tournament coming up on Friday, everybody is uh, abuzz about that. Uh, Both the Bruins and the Celtics in action last night. Lots of spring training talk. The NFL is insane right now with all the player moves going on. So we'll get to all that in a minute. Uh, I want to start off, you know, everybody is starting to reopen, right? We're we're supposedly past this uh, pandemic. And by the way, as I look outside, you know, everybody's looking forward to being outside. And, and you know, that was going to help the coronavirus. Cause I look outside here uh, in Connecticut and there's snow on the ground. Not Not a ton, but... Uh, we got some snow overnight, and we have a couple of inches supposedly coming Thursday into Friday. So it's, you know, uh, just when we think uh, the uh, the spring is here, it's fooling us once again. But uh, with the coronavirus, you know, everybody is, even here in the state of Connecticut, we're starting to open up again. Well, we just got a kind of a cold slap in the face last night that it's not over. Why? Well, our positivity rate jumped from about 2% to 5% in one day. Now, I mean, it's just an outlier, not too concerned about that. But all of a sudden, it struck high school sports yesterday when Coggenshog High School, which is in the next town over in Durham, Connecticut, announced that it is going to distance learning because of a positive test in the school. And it means that the Coggenshog girls basketball team that was supposed to play in the Shoreline Conference Tournament will not play. They are done. Their season is over. Now, the Coggenshog boys are also supposed to be in the Shoreline Conference Tournament, and they've got a regular season game left on Thursday. As a matter of fact, we're supposed to do it here on Sports Country Radio on Thursday. Uh, I don't know yet whether there's going to be a game on Thursday or not. Paula Jerry. Uh, broke it last night on MiddlesexCountySports.com what was going on as far as the Coggenshog program goes. Um, And they mentioned the girls' program in the release, but they did not mention anything about the boys' team. Now, I can't imagine uh, that they would flush the girls' season and not the boys' unless the positive test was in the girls' program. That's the only thing that I can think of that why it would be just the girls and not the boys. But if it turns out that this positive test was in neither one of those programs, they have to cancel them both. I mean, you can't... Why Why would you say that the girls can't play but the boys can? That makes absolutely zero sense. So my suspicion is, is that the positive test may have been with somebody involved with the girls' basketball program. I don't know. Uh, but we'll find out today, I would imagine, uh, whether there'll be a game tomorrow or not. It's, they're supposed to play Cromwell tomorrow. So 
um, the boys are. So we'll uh, stay tuned. We'll, we'll find out. But again, we can't we can't let our guard down. Uh, another perfect example: the NCAA tournament starting this week. They've got all these protocols in place in Indiana for all the teams that are out there and, you know, staying in the same hotels, all kinds of testing. And, you know, they, they think they've got it covered. Well, what happens? A referee tests positive. And now he and five other guys that he went out to dinner with are out of the tournament. So now all of a sudden with what's going on, they've all of a sudden got a, they've got a swap officiating assignments. Uh, I would imagine they probably have to try to find a couple of substitute referees. And the problem with that is, is they were bringing people in and quarantining them ahead of time. Um, so, and, and how did this happen? It was, I mean, it was silly when you think about it. I mean, the, the referees showed up to the hotel, their rooms were not ready. Now, the protocol is is that all players and staff and everybody eats at the NCAA hotels. But because the rooms weren't ready, there was no food available in the hotel, they were given permission by the NCAA to go out to eat. So these six officials all went out together for dinner. And then later one of them tests positive. And then that is the end of that for their uh, excursion into the NCAA tournament. You know, I mean, it, look, I mean, this could happen to any team. We look, we had teams that Kansas and Virginia pulled out of their conference tournaments because of positive tests. They're still coming to the tournament. They're they're sitting out their quarantine period, and they were given a break by, you know, their their teams uh, not having to play until Saturday, giving them that extra day, not having to open on the first day, but. Look at the University of Connecticut, the girls' team, the women's team. They are not going to have their head coach for the first two games. Gino Ariema test positive. And by the way, this is after Gino had had two, two shots. He wasn't completely in the clear yet because he had had his second shots, but it takes supposedly two weeks after you've had your second shot to be fully immune. And somehow he tested positive, and they tested him again quickly to make sure it wasn't some kind of a false positive. But he's out. So this isn't over. You know, now UConn is very fortunate in that Gino Hart has Chris Daly. Chris Daly has been with him from the beginning. You know, she came there in 1985, three years out of college, you know, when she won a national championship with Rutgers before there was an NCAA women's basketball tournament. And she's been with him since 85. So, and, and, they say that she may be a tougher coach than Gino is. I guess her practices are a lot more intense when she's running them than when Gino is. And she's undefeated as a coach. She has filled in for Gino 10 times through the years, and she's 10-0. and 0. And some of those were in uh, – she, she coached the uh, UConn team in a Big East tournament one year. I think it was back in 1989 because Gino had been suspended. And they won the conference title with her as the coach. So, you know, she's done it before. This is, you know, so UConn is fortunate. And in that, they also have a couple of former uh, standout players, Shea Ralph and Jamel Elliott, on the coaching staff as well. Um, so 
you know, they're going to be okay. But what happens, you know, and, and now the tournament is locked. The NCAA men's and women's basketball tournaments are locked. They did that on Tuesday um, because originally if a team couldn't go because of a positive test, there was a situation in place where a replacement could be thrown in. But once Tuesday came, they're locked in. So now if something happens with Virginia or with, you know, anybody else, it doesn't matter, even if it wasn't one of the teams that missed their conference tournament, uh, if they've got a positive test and they can't play, the team that uh, they're supposed to play just gets a bye or gets a walkover. So, you know, let's hope that doesn't happen. I mean, everybody's excited about this and everybody is giddy across the country that we're getting vaccines and, you know, we, we, we have the, the governors around the South all opening up completely and it's a free for all and spring break. And, you know, some of the pictures that you're seeing are just, it, you know, scary, scary in the sense that their people are just stupid, you know, and, and I've got family members in Florida saying that, Hey, we're open for business. You know, great. You know, it's, uh, you know, screw the rest of the country. Florida knows how to get it done. So, you know, all the people at the beach and, you know, and, and at the bars and, uh, so it's not over. If it can happen here in Durham, Connecticut with Coggenshock, you know, and those poor girls aren't going to get a chance to play. I hope the boys do, but I don't, again, unless the, the positive test was, within the girls program and that's the reason why they have been singled out i can't see if they've gone to distance learning if the girls can't play how the boys could but we'll see but if it can happen here in durham connecticut and it could happen to gino ariema at in stores a guy who is you know they have all the testing constantly he still doesn't know how he got it he I mean he can't even begin to imagine you know uh, and, and they've got all kinds of protocols in place. If it can happen there, it can happen anywhere. So we have to be diligent. We can't just throw our hands up in the air and say, Hey, party time. It's not that time yet. So, uh, and one more note on the coronavirus before we move on to, uh, to other things. We talked the, uh, on Monday when Marvin Hagler died over the weekend and somehow some idiot, and, 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 and actually the idiot was Thomas Hearns, his former opponent. All of a sudden, Marvin Hagler is being like the poster child for anti-vaccine people, claiming that, that he died from a reaction from the COVID-19 vaccine. It was so bad that his widow had to go on to social media and say, hey, the vaccine did not cause his death. She said for sure it wasn't the vaccine. But this was after Thomas Hearns, and and I don't know how the hell he came up with this, but Thomas Hearns in an uh, Instagram post uh, claimed that Hagler had been in the ICU fighting after effects of the vaccine. And then Hearns later, people, all the, all the anti-vaxxers all of a sudden are, oh, yeah, see, it's not safe. I've been telling you, it's not safe. Well, then later Hearns goes on and uh, denounces all the anti-vaccine messages that came from his post. Well, what the hell? 
You started this. I mean, irresponsible. You know, and hers is like, this is not an anti-vaccine campaign. Well, then you should not have even said that. You know, and I felt I feel bad for his widow that she had. I mean, she's grieving for the sudden loss of, of this guy. And, and she then has to take time to go on and say it wasn't the vaccine that killed him. So, you know, and, and look, I have this argument. It's not an argument. I, I have this debate in my own home. My wife is is does not believe in uh, vaccines for the most part. She is, uh, I wouldn't say that she is an anti-vaxxer. Well, yeah, no, I probably would. <laughs> There's no way she's getting the coronavirus vaccine. She's just not going to, you know, and, uh, she had some situations with her kids when they were younger, uh, that had some reactions to some of the vaccines that they got when they were kids. Now she's not saying that, you know, that, that it caused them to be deformed or autistic or anything else, but she didn't like what happened with some of her kids when they had vaccines when they were kids. And, so she doesn't want to, you know, get, get this vaccine or any other one, you know. Now, I this one is obviously, you know, we've talked about these vaccines are made differently uh, than other ones. This is more of a gene mutation, a gene manipulating vaccine as opposed to like, for instance, the polio vaccine where you're injected with a weakened form of the virus so that your body can uh, uh, can build up antibodies to it. You know, when you get the flu vaccine, it's a weakened form of the flu that's in this vaccine that's not what these these coronavirus vaccines are doing uh, these manipulate your dna it doesn't it does it's not made the same but regardless i have this argument in my house and when you have people you know coming out and using marvin Hagler's death as a, as a way to push your agenda for anti-vaccines that kind of stuff just oh i, I got to imagine that she's beyond angry i would be so so that's your local uh, local and national coronavirus update. And, you know, it's a shame. I feel bad for the, the high school team here. I feel bad for those referees. They were doing, they were given permission by the NCAA to go out to dinner. You know, but, you know, and I, I would be willing to bet you that the, the referee who tested positive didn't test positive because of going out to dinner. He would have tested positive anyway. I guarantee you that he probably came to Indianapolis with the coronavirus already, but it takes time to incubate. It takes time to show up. It doesn't show up instantaneously. So it wasn't like they went out to dinner and 12 hours later, he tested positive. If he tested positive 12 hours later, it was because he already had it before he got there. So much is being made of the fact that they went out to dinner, but you know, be that as it may. Uh, so, you know, I, I feel bad for them. I feel bad for Gino R.E.M. I mean, I couldn't feel bad for Gino R.E.M. He's making millions of dollars a year and, you know, UConn's going to be fine. They play a high point in the first round. You know, uh, they could probably play their last six players on the bench and beat high point. Um, and But please, if you're a high point graduate, don't write me emails. It's a fact. You know, I mean, it is what it is. A high point isn't beating UConn. They play 100 times. High point is losing 100 times. So, you know, I, I shouldn't feel bad for Gino, but I do. I mean, you know, it, he's 60... How old is he? 69, 70? You know, how many NCAA tournaments does he have? Well, he I shouldn't say that. For him, he's probably got one every, matter of fact, he's got one every year until he retires. But again, you know, you're getting towards the end of your career. It's a shame that he's going to have to miss a couple of games, and hopefully he'll be able to be there after their second round game. Uh, he's eligible to come back to the team on March the 24th, so he'll miss two games. 
So, all right, let's get to the NFL. And the spending spree by teams across the league continues. Uh, and <laughs> particularly with the New England Patriots. I mean, what the Patriots have done this week is unbelievable. This is, we have never seen the Patriots spend this kind of money in free agency ever. I mean, it's crazy. Yesterday, they added yet another tight end, and I am thrilled with this deal. I actually had talked to Dan Zampano about this last week when we had him on the air. I thought that this would be a great signing, and they did. Bill Belichick went out and signed Hunter Henry, free agent tight end from the Los Angeles Chargers, a guy that had 60 catches for over 600 yards last year. He was one of the favorite targets uh, of that great young quarterback with the Chargers, Justin Herbert. Uh, you know, the knock on Henry is, is that he's had trouble staying healthy. Now he stayed healthy last year and look what he did, but this is a guy that is, uh, you know, he had, uh, he blew an ACL in 2018. So, you know, he missed an entire season there. Uh, he had a, a fracture, uh, a leg fracture four games, uh, into the 2019 season. And he did miss the last two games of the past season, but it was because of coronavirus protocols. It wasn't anything to do with a, an actual on-field injury. But if he, is, if he stays healthy, which he did last year, I mean, this is a great signing. And now you t team that up with the fact that they signed uh, Janu Smith. And holy smokes, what a tight end tandem they have. And, and we know through the years that Bill Belichick and his offensive coordinator uh, have have liked two tight end sets. I mean, and look at the the you know, and I hadn't thought about this, but look, they had they've had some great tight end tandems. I mean, they the year they had Ben Watson and Daniel Graham, uh, Gronkowski uh, with Aaron Hernandez. The you know, I I can't say Aaron Hernandez's name without shaking my head. Uh, uh, you know, and, and so, and that has been, that was part of the great success that this team has had over the year, uh, over the years. So Josh McDaniels now has two quality tight ends and Smith is a guy in the red zone. He's impossible to cover down there. Uh, so uh, the Patriots are just, I mean, look, look at what the Patriots have done. They have signed eight free agents now to the tune of like a hundred and, uh, $37 million in two days. <laughs> it's like they backed up the Brinks truck. I mean, they made the trade for Trent Brown with the Raiders. They got Janu Smith. Uh, Matt Juden has signed Jalen Mills. Uh, they got Nelson Aguilar from uh, the Oakland Raiders. Well, the Los Angeles, or what, the Las Vegas Raiders, excuse me. Uh, Kendrick Bourne from the 49ers, a couple of very good wide receivers. Uh, I mean, Aguilar's had some issues with drops over his career. Bourne is probably a, a, a good number two, number three receiver. I mean, they have upgraded this team. They just got Henry Anderson, a great uh, uh, pass rusher. I, I am thrilled with what they've done. Now, <laughs> that's all tempered with, the th the, with two things. Uh, their center, Andrews, has now decided that he is going to test free agency. Uh, I am hoping that it's one of, because he wanted to stay with the Patriots. He he had made it known that he wanted to stay there, 
and they had conversations. And I am hoping this is uh, he's going to go out and talk to other teams. I'm hoping this is one of those where he goes out and talks to other teams, come back and comes back to the Patriots and say, okay, this is what I've been offered and give the Patriots an opportunity to match. That's what I'm hoping. Uh, but it also has to be tempered by the fact that they're bringing back Cam Newton. And, and I'm and and I I have to hope that Dan Zapano, our NFL uh, uh, guru, is wrong in that the Patriots will not draft a defensive player in the first round of the draft. I actually hope that the Patriots consider finding a way to move up in the draft and make sure that they get one of those top five quarterbacks in the draft. They have to. They absolutely have to. They signed Cam Newton for a year. You're bringing in, and, and look, you know, you could make the case, well, okay, they're bringing him back. You know, he's got another year under his belt with the system. You've now given him some weapons. You've given him two quality tight ends, a couple of new wide receivers. You know, maybe we can, you know, do a couple other minor things, and, and you're giving him more weapons. Okay, I'll grant you that. But Cam Newton never showed the ability last year with the exception of one game, uh, as Dan pointed out, that where he looked offensively, you know, where he could throw the football down the field, where he could hit receivers. And, uh, you know, if, if it weren't for his legs last year, he would have been no kind of weapon offensively for the Patriots. They have to draft a quarterback in the first round, whether it's Mac Jones or, you know, or whether they find a way to move up. I, I, I still think Mac Jones will be available at 15 where they're scheduled to draft right now. But if you're concerned that he won't be, or you want to try to get one of the, uh, the higher rated quarterbacks, then you've got to find a way to move up because you can't spend all this money. This, and this might be a little extreme, but you can't spend all this money on a on a Cadillac and give the keys to a guy uh, who's drunk. You know, uh, I, I just I'm concerned about that. And look, I, Cam Newton's a great guy. All right, he was a stand up guy. I got tired of hearing all his excuses, but he is a stand up guy. Uh, he seems like a first class person, but his best days are behind him. And there's nothing wrong with that. It comes, you know, to every professional athlete. So uh, they've got absolutely have got to draft a quarterback in the first round. If they don't, all this money that they're spending right now, to me, is wasted, at least for this year. And some people have made the case that they believe this is a three-year plan by Belichick, and he doesn't plan to necessarily, you know, he would like to get back to the playoffs, but he doesn't really think this is a Super Bowl team yet, and that we have to, we're going to have to be patient for another year if you're a Patriot fan, because this is part of a three-year plan. Well, if they don't sign a quarterback, it's become painfully evident that, that that's correct and it is a three-year plan. But, man, with everything that they have done, it would be an absolute shame if they don't go out and do something in the first round. And, look, you can draft Mac Jones in the first round or one of the other quarterbacks in the first round and still start Cam Newton. But you need to have that other quarterback in place so that if Newton gets hurt or if for no other reason, give them a chance to learn the system for a year. And then after Cam Newton's one year contract from this year expires, the guy that you drafted is ready to take the reins and run with it in 2022. So 
even if Cam Newton, we have to swallow another year of Cam Newton, they've got to have somebody in place ready for the following year. I mean, all these signings that the Patriots have made have been multi-year deals, so none of them are going to be gone after this year. But this is an opportunity right here uh, to make sure that you secure the future of your franchise, and that has to be with the quarterback. And, you know, if you think that you're going to be able to go down into the second, third, fourth round and find a quarterback that can, you know, uh, be your future guy, I think you're deluding yourself. Guys like Tom Brady who, you know, were six-round picks, don't come along every day. You know, so, you know, everybody wants to say, well, Bill's great at evaluating talent. He can find, you know, the diamond in the rough. Look what he did with Brady. Well, that's fair enough. But, you know, there are, to me, uh, there are five quarterbacks in this draft that have the potential to be franchise quarterbacks, and the Patriots may not be in this position again where you have a decent draft position. You're in the middle of the draft, you know, and you have a chance maybe to move up a little bit, but you're in the middle of the draft and you have a chance to get one of these five guys. If you don't, I think, and the Patriots, look, let's face it, they have not drafted well the last few years, which is part of the reason why they're in the situation they're in now. But if you miss this opportunity uh, after spending all this money, shame on you. 31 minutes past the hour. We've got to take another break. We're back in a minute. You're listening to the Wake Up Call on Sports Country. It's 33 minutes past the hour. Welcome back to the Wake Up Call here on a Wednesday morning. A couple other notes from the NFL before we uh, move on. Um, Von Miller had his uh, uh, option exercised yesterday by the Denver Broncos, so he will be returning um, it's the final year of a six year deal. Uh, he, uh, is guaranteed uh, $7 million, uh, of his 17.5 million base salary this coming year. Of course, he's coming off of a, uh, awful ankle injury that sidelined him for all of last season. Uh, a couple of notable signings and I'm, I'm notable, uh, <laughs> Ryan Fitzpatrick has signed with the Washington football team. Uh, Fitzmagic uh, moving a little bit farther north up the eastern seaboard. Uh, and I-, I guess he could compete for the starting job with the Redskins. I mean, when you look at what I – I keep calling them the Redskins – the Washington football team, um, when you look at what Washington has, they have t- Taylor Hankey, who was – uh, like taking online classes midway through last year when he got the call to come be an emergency quarterback, ended up a starter in the playoffs. And they've got uh, Kyle Allen there, who is a favorite of uh, Ron Rivera. And then they'll have Fitzpatrick. Now, Fitzpatrick has been everywhere. He's, what, 38 years old? Uh, it's a one-year deal uh, worth as much as $12 million based on incentives, games played, et cetera. Uh, look, this is a guy that came in off the bench a couple of times with the Dolphins, led them to some victories when Tua couldn't get it done. Uh, he's thrown for 35,000 yards in his career. You know, he's not, you know, look, he, he is what he is. He's probably a great backup, which tells me that, you know, Kyle Allen is probably going to be the starter. And then you have those other two guys as backups. But, uh, so Fitzpatrick, uh, which a lot of people, including me, thought would be a great stopgap guy uh, for the Patriots, uh, signs with the Washington football team. And then uh, Jameis Winston 
uh, signed a one-year contract to come back to the New Orleans Saints, which means, I guess, that he will compete with Taysom Hill to be the starting quarterback to replace Drew Brees in New Orleans. Now, Hill uh, was 3-1 and one as a starter last year when Brees was out with the injury, but I'll tell you this, you know, and you uh, – Taysom Hill was great in that the kind of the wildcat thing that they did, and uh, I was not overly impressed with Taysom Hill as the starting quarterback. I just felt like you know now, and and this is this is it too. The other thing we have to you know, they let Emmanuel Sanders go. They're they're retooling things down in New Orleans. It's not going to be the same offense. So maybe they'll they'll design a new offense around Hill and his skill set. Uh, and then if, if they don't feel he can do it, they've got Jameis Winston. But Jameis Winston, <laughs> look, he was, what, 28 and 42. Yeah, 28 and 42 with the Tampa Bay Bucks. Uh, and he's a guy that has thrown, you know, 121 touchdown passes in his career, which is great, but he's also thrown 88 interceptions. I mean, it's a guy who threw 40 interceptions in one season. Uh, he, he also can run the ball. I mean, he's rushed for over a thousand yards in his career, has 10 rushing touchdowns. I mean, he's got a skill set. His problem is his accuracy. I mean, and people say, well, he's completed 61% of his passes. Yes. And he's probably completed about, uh, you know, 25% of them to the other team. Um, so, <laughs> so Jameis Winston, I guess, uh, uh, it'll be his sixth year in the league and, uh, just, I, I just don't see that that he really has an, a, a chance there, but he's a good guy if Taysom Hill spits the bed, I guess. You know, but uh, man, what what a drop off for Saints fans this year, and it's going to be a rude awakening down in New Orleans. And I just have to hope that that franchise has built up enough momentum that they can kind of overcome this, because you have to wonder too in the draft. You know, if the Saints are going to be one of those other teams, they're going to be looking to move up and say we've got a draft. Uh, you know, a quarterback for the future uh, because I still I can't believe that they're going to say that, that Taysom Hill is their guy for the future. Could be wrong, but I, I think that that's, a, you know, there's a lot of teams. Uh, and one other signing yesterday, Andy Dalton signed a contract with the Chicago Bears. Um, so it's a uh, one-year deal worth $10 bucks with another $3 million in incentives. Uh, look, they've already... Uh, traded um, for Nick Foles. But I guess you could say that Foles and Dalton were our 1A and 1B. I mean, Dalton played uh, for years with Cincinnati. I felt like he was on a bad team. I still, I think he's very talented. Um, he played for the Cowboys for a while last year uh, when uh, uh, Dak Prescott was out. Wasn't horrible. So, uh, you know, maybe, I don't know. I mean, the Bears haven't had a quarterback since Sid Luckman back in the 50s, uh, but uh, a real quarterback, in my opinion. So uh, we'll see. But uh, Andy Dalton headed to the Chicago Bears. All right, baseball yesterday. The Red Sox, uh, they've got a lot of hope for Tanner Houck, you know, that, uh, that he might be, you know, he's probably their top pitching prospect. He gave the Red Sox fans a lot of hope last year when he made a few starts at the end of the season. Looked really good. Uh, if you remember that uh, start against Atlanta, a playoff team, he allowed one run in six innings, struck out ten guys, so everybody got really excited about Tanner Houck. The problem with Houck has been really throwing strikes. Well, it continued yesterday. 
two and two-thirds innings against this, that same Atlanta team. He gave up three hits, three runs. Uh, he walked four guys in two and two-thirds. He struck out just one. Um, so you can be sure that Tanner Houck will be starting the season in the minors. He's not ready. Uh, he has struggled the entire spring. He has thrown, I think, uh, uh, three and a third innings, and he's walked like six or seven guys. So he is not ready. You know, he has got to figure it out. And Alex Cora said before the game yesterday that he challenged Houck. He said, look, you know, you gotta, you gotta throw strikes. Well, <laughs> it didn't go so well. Uh, the good news for Red Sox fans, Matt Andrees, a guy that has been mentioned as a possible fifth starter. I don't think he will be. I mean, he's likely to be one of those emergency starters, but he threw four innings of scoreless relief yesterday, allowed just two hits, struck out three and walked one. Uh, that, so that was sure nice to see. Um, uh, they win the game over Atlanta. Doesn't mean a damn thing. Uh, but you know you got to take the positive signs where you can. The Red Sox with only six hits in this game, but uh, they still win it. Um, and the pitching, it look we know it's going to go as far as you know the Red Sox are going to go as far as uh, as the pitching will take them. And and we have to hope Nick Pavetta has looked really good this spring. And uh, if anything, you know, is going to to get this team having Erod back and having him be what he was two years ago. Having Evaldi stay healthy. Uh, Martin Perez has looked outstanding in spring training. I know we have to temper that because it's spring training, but he's looked great. Um, you know, and, and if Pavetta is, is, uh, it continues what he has done in the spring, yeah, you give the Red Sox a puncher's chance because they're going to score a lot of runs. Uh, Xander Bogarts played again yesterday, but he still is the designated hitter. He has yet to appear in the field as he deals um, with that sore shoulder. Hopefully, you know, he'll be back sooner rather than later. Uh, Connor Wong hit a home run yesterday. The uh, young catcher they got in the trade for Mookie Betts. Um, nice to see, but they also, then the Red Sox demoted him. Uh, they sent him to the alternate site along with uh, Ed- Edward Bizzardo, who got the save in yesterday's game, and a couple of other players. Um, so they uh, they were sent to the, uh, uh, the alternate site. Erod will pitch today against the Minnesota Twins. They hope that he will be able to go... Five innings. Red Sox have not announced their opening day starter. Not that it really matters, but most people assume uh, that it will be uh, Erod. And uh, Garrett Richards is going to start an inner squad game on Thursday, um, uh, along with uh, Evaldi, Perez, Pavetta, are all going to get uh, the three games after Thursday. So, uh, fortunately, and I was really glad to hear this, the Red Sox are not considering a six-man rotation. You know, there was some ideas thrown around that the Red Sox may want to do that. Thank God. I hope that Major League Baseball never gets to that point where we have six-man rotations. I mean, I was growing up, we had four-man rotations, and then it became five, which has become the norm. I I hope it's never six, you know, where teams are like, yeah, we're going to let you throw three innings every fifth day or every sixth day. That's ridiculous. Um, Other news out of Boston. How about this? LeBron James is now a limited partner of the Boston Red Sox. Um, so LeBron James, a New York Yankees fan, <laughs> is a part owner now of the Boston Red Sox. Uh, he bought into the Fenway Sports Group, uh, which, is, of course, is the parent company of the Red Sox. Uh, he was already a 2% owner of uh, the Liverpool Football Club over in England. 
Well, now he's got a bigger stake in that as well. Uh, he, he uh, along with his partner Maverick Carter, um, uh, they bought a much uh, larger stake in uh, the Fenway Sports Group. So we may be seeing LeBron James at Fenway Park every now and then. LeBron's ultimate goal is he wants to own an NBA team, but active players can't own NBA teams, so he's kind of dabbling in it. And uh, but and he, and his response was, "It's pretty damn cool." You know, I mean, he has one of the things that I like about LeBron is he recognizes um, the historical significance of the Red Sox and uh, the fact that he wants to be involved, I think, is is pretty neat. Uh, Yankees yesterday uh, played the Detroit Tigers and uh, the Yankees win again. It doesn't matter to me. I I had to laugh. I was reading in the Hartford Current this morning, uh, the Yankee notes. The Yankees have won seven in a row. It's spring training. Um, Garrett Cole pitched yesterday. Struck out five, but he also gave up two bombs. Three and two-thirds innings, three hits, two runs. Both of them were solo home runs. Struck out five, walk one. Uh, Lawizaga pitched well in relief yesterday, uh, so that was a good sign for the Yankees. And, uh, you know, uh, the only other note out of yesterday's game, interesting, Gio Urshela, uh, their third baseman, played shortstop. Uh, Glaber Torres um, is normally the backup at shortstop, but they gave Urshela some time there yesterday with uh, Tyler Wade playing second base. Miguel Andohar is still out with a muscle strain uh, in his right hand, but uh, so I don't know that we're going to see and uh, uh, see Urshela at shortstop very often. He hasn't played there since 2018, and even then it was just a handful of games, but uh, uh, handled the only couple of chances he had yesterday, and by the way, also had a couple of hits, so... Uh, uh, the Yankees win. The Yankees win. By the way, did you watch? Uh, yes, the other day they had John Sterling and Michael Kay doing uh, a TV game together, uh, and I had forgotten how much I hated listening to those two on the radio. <laughs> I, you look, I, you know, John Sterling is like eighty years old. God love him. He's been doing it forever. It just, oh, I can't listen to him. He's just awful. Just awful. And half the time, you know, it's like, you know, it's like he's not even listening to who's doing color for him. He's like that with Susan Waldman on the radio now. He was like that with Michael Kay when they were together. And he was like that on TV. Michael Kay would say something, and then John Sterling would bring up a point and say, you know, it's kind of like when they did this. And if I'm Michael Kay, i got to be looking at him and, and saying, John, I just said that. You know, I mean, it's, uh, oh, God. I, I don't know why Yes thought that was a good idea. Uh, the Mets yesterday beat the Astros 8-3. to um, Only thing notable out of this, Jacob DeGrom started four innings, struck out six, didn't walk anybody, gave up only two hits. One of them left the ballpark. The only, uh, the only run he gave up was a uh, home run uh, to the young kid Pena. But uh, other than that, uh, Jerry's familiar pitched a scoreless inning. Uh, Dylan Patanzas still continuing to struggle in the spring, gave up a couple of more runs um, on two hits in one inning. Uh, they did uh, announce yesterday, by the way, the Washington Nationals are going to have fans on opening day. Uh, they just got permission from the uh, District of Columbia and Major League Baseball to have 5,000 fans for opening day, which is which is great. I mean, the Mets are going to have – they've been allowed to have 10% capacity, so they're going to have 4,500 uh, for their home opener on April 8th, but they're going to start with fans uh, in Washington, which is which is great, you know. And again, it's outside five thousand fans in a stadium that that seats thirty five or forty thousand is nothing, you know. I mean, that's about as socially distant as you can get. So, um, very excited about that. Forty seven minutes past Yarrow, we've got to take another break. We're back in a minute. You're listening to the Wake Up Call on Sports Country. 
Welcome back to the Wake Up Call. 49 minutes past. Yeah, we've got a few minutes to go before we get out of here this morning. Uh, one other baseball note. Um, YouTube, uh, it was announced yesterday, is going to broadcast a package of 21 games for the third year uh, of its partnership with Major League Baseball, uh, which is fine. I, I, here's what I don't like is that it is going to be exclusive. So, for instance, their first game this coming season will be Wednesday, April the 7th, uh, when the Red Sox play the Tampa Rays uh, in the final of a uh, two-game series. It's going to be exclusive, and that means that Nesson and Dave O'Brien and Jerry Remy cannot broadcast the game. It is going to be exclusively on television on YouTube, which, by the way, means it's not on television. It's being streamed on the Internet. And I know I'm going to sound like, you know, okay, Boomer, I'm going to sound like the old guy, and, and I know I am, but that's just, if you're a, if you, if you're a 75-year-old Red Sox fan and you don't use a computer or you don't know how to use a computer or whatever, or you don't have a streaming device hooked up to your television, and believe me, my mother has one. My mother has a fire stick, okay, because she wanted Discovery Plus, and, you know, uh, she's 78 years old. She can't remember how to use the damn thing, so she never uses it, you know, and so you're going to have Red Sox fans that are not going to have access to this game because it's going to be exclusive on YouTube. I don't agree with that at all. I understand why YouTube wants that because what they want is they want to get the Red Sox diehard fans uh, to watch the game, to, to, to stream the game. I get it, but I don't like it. You know, I mean, I can watch it because, you know, I'm old, I'm 60, but I, but I, you know, I have a fire stick. I have a, I have a, a, a PlayStation. I know how to stream everything. I got all that. I stream everything. I get it. Uh, I had YouTube TV for a while until they dropped Nesson and I couldn't get, uh, couldn't get Red Sox or Bruins games anymore. And I had to go back to direct TV, but I know how to stream so I can watch it. It's not bothering me. I just don't like the idea that you are then limiting your audience a little bit. You're, you're taking it away from older people who might not be able to, might not know how to watch. So, uh, they broadcast 13 games in 2019 uh, and four games last September. Uh, they said during the 2019 season, they generated an average of 1.2 million uh, live views. So, And that's what they're after. I mean, I get it. Uh, you know, And it angered me. And, and I maybe part of my anger, <laughs> Dave just checked in, they, that they shouldn't have dropped Nesson. Yeah, that might be part of my anger with this whole thing is that I had YouTube TV. It was a great price. Loved it. And then they dropped Nesson, so I had no choice. So maybe, maybe some of my anger over this MLB package is residual, you know. And there's nothing that we can do about it. And you know, it's a dispute with Nesson, um, and uh, you know, over how much they charge. And I think there's only one way you can stream it now. I think it's Fubu TV or something like that. Um, I thought about trying that, but then I said, Nah, you know what? I had DirecTV for years. I went back to that. I was just, I, I you know, and my wife struggles with the whole streaming thing too, so. So I just figured we go back to DirecTV, it's a little easier for her. But, uh, yeah, I think the only way you can stream it now, uh, Nesson, is FUBU. Because you can't even stream it directly from Nesson. They don't have the capability for you to do that. So, uh, But anyway, so maybe maybe my anger over this MLB package is that. I, I'm not sure. Uh, but uh, I, just, I just think that you're taking away the opportunity from older fans, and I don't think that's right. Uh, a couple other things. The Celtics lost last night, 117 to 109. Um, 
They lost to the Utah Jazz, one of the best teams in the NBA. No shame in that necessarily. The shame of it is is that the Celtics um, led by a dozen in the first half. Uh, They had a lead going into the fourth quarter. They got outscored in the fourth quarter. Uh, They kind of just faded down the end. And uh, what maybe is the most concerning thing, and you know their record aside, they're one game over 500. They're going to make the playoffs. But what's concerning is against the teams with the five best records in the NBA right now, the Jazz, the Suns, the Sixers, the Nets, and the Lakers, the Celtics are 0-8. 0-8 against the best teams in the NBA. Well, you know, that you're just, you know, and the big difference yesterday, 45 points off the bench for the Utah Jazz. 45. Celtics did nothing off the bench. They had 21 points off the bench, and 14 of those were from Robert Williams. Marcus Smart played 24 minutes off the bench last night at five points. Shot two for ten. Now I go. I know he's coming back from an injury, but I get that. But they've got to do something. Peyton Pritchard, Jeff Teague off the bench last night combined for twenty-one minutes, zero points. They took one shot. I mean, you know, I mean, uh, and right now, here's the thing: a lot of uh, supposed fans are killing Brad Stevens. You know, they want Stevens fired. It's not Brad Stevens' fault. All right, they had to deal with a couple of major injuries. Kemba Walker was out for a, quite a while. Uh, Marcus Smart was out for a long while. He's just coming back. He's not himself yet. And he was given an imperfect team. Look, the, the you know, Tatum, Walker, Brown, great players. You know, Daniel Tice, I mean, he's, he's Daniel Tice to me is a guy that should be coming off the bench. But be that as it may, he had a double-double last night, 15 and 11. Um, and Robert Williams is a guy that should be playing more. But outside of that, and, and Marcus Smart, they got a bunch of guys that, that aren't good enough. The, the fault here lies with Danny Ainge. He sat on his hands. It's not Brad Stevens' fault. you know. And uh, uh, by the way, there's a lot of people that uh, in Indiana would love to have Brad Stevens take the, new, the job at Indiana. They fired their coach, and a lot of people would love to have him come back there. And he made it very clear. Uh, he has no interest in going back to college basketball. He loves what he's doing. And uh, you know, Brad Stevens didn't suddenly become an idiot. He was given a team that doesn't have enough pieces. There's been all kinds of moves made around the NBA, and the Celtics have all kinds of ability to do things. They have that big, you know, the big trade exception. They've got draft picks. They've got a bunch of stuff, but they're sitting and they're doing nothing. This is on Danny Ainge. This is not on Brad Stevens, period. Uh, the Bruins with a win last night in Pittsburgh. They beat the Penguins 2-1. to one. Uh, The good news out of this one, Dan Flatter making his first career start uh, with the win. Uh, and made a couple of spectacular saves last night. Uh, 33 saves. Excuse me, 32 saves. Picks up the victory. Uh, so good for him. Uh, Much-needed win for the Bruins. As, uh, they, have, they have struggled a lot lately. And by the way, it's the first time that the Bruins have beaten the Penguins in Pittsburgh since 2015. They just got whacked the other night there, 4-1. to one. First win in Pittsburgh since 2015. That was huge. Uh, so they got to get things rolling, and uh, and hopefully too, uh, you know, we're still waiting on uh, on Tuka Rask. He's been hurt. That's why that's why Vladder got the start last night. Nobody really knows what's wrong with Rask. They said he skated yesterday, but he's still not ready to go yet. So uh, uh, they need to get him uh, back in action. But more more than anything, they need to get this offense going. It was nice to see Pasternak score yesterday. It was his 13th goal of the season. But uh, right now, this offense is as stagnant as can be. 
you know, and it was good to see them, by the way, rebound from this effort after getting absolutely torched by Bruce Cassidy after the loss the other night, you know, where they just looked like they were disinterested. So, uh, you know, a good way to rebound. Uh, and, and thanks to Vladder, that was, that was huge. That's going to do it for us here this morning. We'll be back tomorrow with another edition of the Wake Up Call. We leave you this morning with some music from Zach Brown and Sonia Lee. It's called The Bar, and that's where a lot of people would like to be today. I almost forgot. For those of you, and including me, happy St. Patrick's Day to, uh, to everybody with the Irish ancestry out there. So uh, let's listen to, to, uh, to Zach Brown. We'll see you tomorrow. You've been listening to the Wake Up Call on Sports Country.